0: The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert.
1: Completely true, and that's why the police never actually found out anything about that entire day. So, Mike, the 3DS this week is celebrating its 10th anniversary, which is wild. It came out on March 27th, 2011, so we were almost finished high school, which is crazy. I feel old now. Yeah, I remember Lucas from high mm-hmm. school. I remember in chemistry class or science class,
2: I uh, I remember he had uh, the 3DS on the first day it came out, and everyone was around him looking at it and was like,
1: whoa, what's that? And I don't remember him being a gamer. He was a mutual friend of ours. No. And... Never talked about video games. Dan, friend of the show Dan, was like the gamer in our group, really. And John, to a certain degree. But uh, I never thought of Lucas as being a gamer. I was introduced to it probably May or June of that year, where someone in my business class, of all places, just told me about the 3DS, and I had no idea about it. And then he told me to check out the E3 announcement of it. And I was just like, I think that was the one where they showed Mario Kart 7 and Star Fox and i was stoked to see a Star Fox 64 remaster or remake on 3ds which is still one of my favorite games to play on 3ds that's such a good remake but yeah it's 10 years old it's been discontinued for a little while now it's a very successful console uh, it kept nintendo alive really through the dark ages when the wii u was their home console and we all know how that ended games are still coming out for the 3ds even though production stopped on the console about a year and a half ago i think uh, at the time of recording this, according to Wikipedia, there are one thousand three hundred and forty-six 3DS games. That does not count the NES, Game Boy, Game Boy Color games.
2: Well, that'll be that's gonna be a big podcast for us. Starting next year, Neil? Uh, yeah, sure. We'll do the 3DS <laughs> was cool after this. No, hell no, dude. I could not. Are there new games coming out for the
1: GameCube, though? No. I guess that's my that's question. That's confirmed.
2: Why haven't people done that? Why haven't people tried to put it I out... don't know.
1: I guess the mini discs are tough. A little bit. That's probably the stopgap, I would have to assume. You sometimes see, like, Genesis cartridges still being yeah. made.
2: How? Yeah. How are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's a couple of Game Boy games that actually came what? out this year. That's wild. I think PSP games still get made physically, too, on the UMD discs. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> okay, if I you can just make said, it on the UMD disc, uh, UMD. So yeah, we just have UMD disc, which is Universal Media, <laughs> disc, media disc Disc. Uh, if you can make it on UMDs, you can make it on those mini uh, GameCube uh, discs, yeah, for g- sure. Give
1: me a break. Mike, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about maybe some of your favorite games on the console. We don't have to go in-depth, but maybe just three to five games each, um, and then we can move on with the show for me i'd have to go my my five games that i would have to pick if i only had my 3ds and i could take five games with me on my car trip would have to be a link between worlds which is one of the best 2d zelda games i've ever played mario kart 7 which is a completely underrated mario kart game i never hear anybody talking about it it has the best rainbow road of any mario kart games and i can prove that with science samus returns which gets a huge bump because it got me to pick up my 3ds after the switch came out so that's saying Mm -hmm. something uh super mario 3d land which is a really fun uh mario 3d game technically very fun game one of the first games i picked up and then i had a tough time picking between the three n 64 remakes on the 3ds which was ocarina of time majora's mask and Star Fox 64 so my fifth place just gets those three honorable mentions i don't know which one to pick they're all fantastic
2: nice uh i i also have five games here that i can talk about i didn't have a lot of games for the the 3ds to be to be honest mm-hmm. um I, I got the console relatively late. I think I got it in 2014 uh, yeah. and had a good time playing it. I got it for Smash. That is why I got sure. it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Good idea. That's a good game. That's a good version of Smash. It's
2: a great version. And the fact that you could play on 3DS was really cool at the time. Obviously, Switch has kind of <laughs> it killed, it killed that. Yes. <laughs> um, but Smash is obviously uh, one of my picks there. Hmm. Uh, Shovel Knight, which I love. That's a great game. Uh, great great pick. game on 3DS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's on that's on Switch that's on Switch now too, I think. I think so, yeah. yeah. And I had a lot of fun playing it on three DS. It felt right on three DS. Yeah. Um I think
1: I'm looking at my Oh,
2: uh Zero Escape, the, the third uh-huh. game in the Zero
1: Escape series I have okay. on three DS. Yep, that's uh Time Zero Time Dilemma. Zero
2: Time Dilemma, yeah. yeah. That's a good one. Well yeah, yeah, it's a it's a I, I enjoy that game. Mm-hmm. It was the last in that series. Yeah. Um, that was a good time. I just remember buying it at E B Games or GameStop. And uh, the guy would just was like, "I was like, yeah, this is like, uh, this is the only copy we have. Oh man, I want that."
1: Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, <laughs> did you show up to like pick up the pre order? And he's like, "Oh, you're the one."
2: yeah basically yeah he, he he thought that he he thought that they had another one like they had like like one on the shelf and the girl's like no no that one's gone this is the
1: last one yeah He's like, oh, damn that, it. that game did not have a huge print and atlas games as we know don't print games like cubivore no 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 they only want to print about two copies per store that they send it to that's about their <laughs> quota
2: and then uh ocarina majora's mask yeah or the last two on there because uh yeah. they have to be those, said Yeah, they're the best ways to play those games in my opinion yeah there's
1: no reason to go back to N64 to play those games anymore which we talked about in our last episode which if mm-hmm. you haven't already go back and check out last week's episode where we talked a whole bunch about Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask So yeah, happy birthday, 3DS. 10 years, you have sold 75.71 million consoles around the world. Uh, There's six different models, so they got it right on the sixth try, I guess. (laughs) And the highest selling game on there is Mario Kart 7 at 18 million units, being about a 24% attach rate, which is crazy.
2: I feel like Mario Kart basically is number one for every single Nintendo console that comes out. Pretty much. Uh, which Animal Crossing still, uh, like we said before, Animal Crossing might beat it for the Switch. That would be cool.
1: It might. That would be interesting. That would be one of the first times that would definitely be the first time in a long time that Mario Kart or Wii Sports was not like the highest selling game on a console. (laughs) Yeah. Since the uh, SNES, I'm not sure why anybody likes that game. So, Mike, we're going to keep the theme of Zelda going on for today, since that's the topic of today's episode. Last week, we talked a whole bunch about our history of Zelda and games that we've played, beat. I think we mixed up the years, or at least I mixed up a ton of the years uh, for games that I played. So I thought it would be just kind of fun this week to go back and try and remember the exact year, at least, that I played each Zelda game. Oh, God. And when I beat each Zelda game, it was depressing, to say the least, just because I feel like I'm getting old. And because I looked back and I was like, man, it's been actually I only played my very first Zelda game all the way through in twenty twelve. So I would have been about eighteen when I picked up Ocarina of Time on N sixty four. Uh and then in twenty thirteen I don't know. <laughs> that date feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was I was a, I was in college. I was in my finishing my first year in college just passing those that last month of college is horrible and I was just sitting in class like listening to the teachers just trying to draw out the semester and I was just like searching through eBay like looking for an N64 cartridge of uh, Ocarina of Time and it might have been only 20 bucks I think it wasn't very expensive and just the girl next to me just like looks over and just like (laughs) Yeah, that's what I. That's how I spent my last uh, semester in college. Was looking for N sixty four cartridges because that's what I was. I just.
2: It was. am just imagining you in the class, like playing the N sixty four. That's what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> you just have a CRT, like you
1: have a TV, just hooked up. You're like, yeah, I'm just just trying to beat this this last dungeon. Well, at that point, you can do the math on what you need to get on the exam and what your GPA is. So, like, who cares at that point? You know, like, there's there's it's getting warm outside. I just wanted to play Zelda for the first time. So I played Ocarina of Time for the first time in 2012. I don't particularly want to go through every single game that I've played and beat, but... Please don't. No. So I've played about 17 <laughs> Zelda games. Uh, that counts remakes and remasters. So I've played sure. Wind Waker twice, Majora's Mask twice, Ocarina of Time twice. Um, so all that going through about 17 games. And I've beat... 15 of them the only games i did not beat were triforce heroes on 3ds and phantom hourglass on ds Mm. because the ds zelda games are not fun yeah Uh, but uh yeah so that's my history with the zelda games i just wanted to go through and look and see how many i've played when i played them for the first time so i played my first one in 2012 and the most recent one i played was Link's awakening on switch in 2019 nice well i i played my
2: first zelda game we talked a little bit last episode mm-hmm. with the collections, uh, or with the Zelda collection, uh, where I got to play basically all the Zelda games that had come out at that point, yep. uh, all together in one <laughs> disc, so I was super lucky with that. Played Majora's Mask, played Ocarina. I I, I somewhat remember beating Majora's Mask, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, no because... one ever does, because even the ending <laughs> of that
1: game is like, is it over? Because the, yes. the ending is very weird.
2: I, I When I played it on 3DS and beat it, I was like... I don't remember this. <laughs> so, uh, so, but Elkarina I have beat on both. I'm pretty sure I played that one a lot. Uh, and obviously, Wind Waker. Yep. I, I uh, eventually beat. I actually beat that much later, but I did play it a lot when I was uh, when I was a wee lad mm-hmm. in 2003, nice. 2004. Um, other games that I had played: Phantom Hourglass. I played. I owned it, and then they sold it. Yep, as did I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have played the uh, Twilight Princess, obviously, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite games. I love playing that game, cool. and I'm glad that I have it for GameCube. And you actually got me Twilight Princess for GameCube because, like most kids, I just got rid of my games, yep. my GameCube
1: games. And I'm here to um, fix that for you, and I don't <laughs> know what gifts to give people, so I just give people GameCube games. That's my go-to gift of choice.
2: <laughs> Even when people don't
1: have a GameCube. Oh, games. absolutely. 100%. <laughs> uh.
2: And other than that, really not many others um, other than the modern Zeldas, which are Breath of the Wild and Link's Awakening. Okay. The I never played Link's Awakening on Game Boy um, Color or just the original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. So to play it on the Switch was really a treat, and I had so much fun playing that game. It was really, really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I just love the world that they were able to create from this, like you know very 2d 8-bit world that they had before yes. it was it's a huge challenge and they killed it
1: yes that was a difficult that was a difficult game to port onto switch or to i guess remaster completely you take this game that's completely grid-based one screen loading yeah. at a time you can only use two buttons which means you're constantly switching out swords and shields and bows and hook shots to having everything available on the one button map that the switch has complete graphic overhaul giving it like this almost it looked like everything was made of candy i love that game yeah it just looks like candy land zelda
2: well after i played that i now want every game that was made in that era to be like yeah, that every like,
1: game the... oh man if every game boy game got remade like that that'd be beautiful <laughs> oh. oh and
2: they clearly put in so much love and care into it and i was lucky enough to snag a collector's edition mm. box of Link's awakening that was uh only available in europe uh so I was uh, I was very happy that I I got to get that.
1: Yeah, if you have a great Zelda collection, listeners, if you don't already, follow us on Instagram. We are at the GameCube Pod. Uh, check out the post that Mike made last week uh, for the our Zelda episode. He's got all of his games there lined up, and his Zelda Collector's Edition for Link's Awakening is there. It's a beautiful box set. I love that one. Oh, it's so beautiful. Uh, so Mike, I think now's a good time to bring us to our new favorite segment. It's time for the mailbag. Bag! Ladies and gentlemen, write into us at the GameCube Pod on all of our social media sites or uh, your podcast service of choice. Leave us a reading or review, and we will probably read it on the episode, just like Abrin54 did on Apple Podcast USA. Abrin says, Fantastic. I love this podcast. Just recently found it, and I am thoroughly enjoying making my way through the episodes. Keep it up, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. We need to think yeah, of something no, else to say after. The I know. I'm not good at taking
2: compliments. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. No, thank you. Uh, thank you, Abrin 54 uh, Again, always amazing to see people writing in from places that we are nowhere close to. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, I mean, we are close to the U.S., but like, yeah. you know what I'm just trying to say. We don't live there, and it's, it's... <laughs> we don't live there, and I don't have like immediate people to talk to that no. are you know in the vicinity that, so
1: that's correct thank you so much abrid we really appreciate the support
2: and that also makes 12 reviews slash ratings on apple podcasts usa thank you for all the support so far hmm. uh but we do have one one star rating neil
1: did they review uh, so it too or is that still no, the same one is that the same it's one this...
2: it's the same one wow. and i really want them to come forward
1: <laughs> yes please come forward and, and state your claim why is it a one star i just want to know yeah did, does it say which episode they listen to
2: no uh, no unfortunately see i have no problem if you want to rate us a one a zero, a zero
1: i have no problem as long as you write a review saying how bad we are mike i know one very successful piece of art that was given very poor reviews when it first came out but later on grew to be an absolute classic would you like to talk about that video game right about now You're talking about the N-Gage, right? Of course I'm talking about the (laughs) N-Gage. That's that's today's topic on episode 42 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast, part one. New episodes every Thursday, sometimes on Wednesdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. Visit thegamecubescool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane listen listen to him if you'd like to support the show you can support us uh we're called the GameCube was cool on patreon every dollar helps us grow the show supporters at the five dollar or above level get their names read on the credits at the end of the show and the option to submit an opening topic just like today we talked about the 3ds and zelda games last week we covered ocarina of time and the ocarina of time master quest as well as the collector's uh collection like (laughs) collector's collection on the cube what's it called (laughs) <laughs> the, the Zelda collect
2: uh, collection the Zelda Legend of Zelda collection i think it's literally just called the Legend of Zelda collection good
1: enough for me this week we're covering the Legend of Zelda Wind Waker the classic Zelda game which came out on March 24th 2003 we're celebrating the 18th anniversary of it today developed by nintendo published by nintendo it's on gamecube and was later on remastered for the wii u this game rates in the nines out of tens the gamecube version today prices between 60 and 80 dollars on ebay mike this is our second favorite zelda game not counting breath of the wild
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
1: This is big. This is a peak GameCube game right here. Uh, It's the 10th Zelda game in the franchise came out in Japan a little bit earlier in 2002, but overall ended up selling 4.6 million copies, um, which is not a bad sale considering the GameCube. It's it's
2: the number four for the GameCube. So it's the fourth best selling GameCube game, which is good. Uh, Good question mark. It's
1: it's the fourth on the third best-selling console of generation, so I don't know where that puts it. And then it sold, again, about half that on the Wii U, which makes sense because the Wii U sold half as many uh, consoles, so the exact same (laughs) number of people bought the Wind Waker again on Wii U, which I find absolutely hilarious. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Wii U version later on in the episode. Mike, mm-hmm. let's go back a little bit and talk about our memories of Wind Waker before we have a bunch of guests on today. So, uh, what are your memories of playing the game? Do you remember when the game first came out? Because everyone hated yep. it when it was announced.
2: Yeah. So I actually am lucky that I have the memory, I guess, or just the. I was ten years old when it came out, mm-hmm. right? So in North America, so I do actually remember it, and I remember a lot of kids at school being excited for it. Hmm when it was coming out and I I don't remember too much controversy because I don't remember the Space World um, trailer or anything like that that was shown before. Right. Uh, and I think because we were all so young, we didn't really care whether Zelda was edgy or not. Mm-hmm. You know, we just knew Zelda was interesting. Yes. Because most of us had played Majora's Mask or knew about it from older brothers or older siblings um, and or just people that we, we knew or some of us actually got to play it. Yeah. But... Uh yeah, for me, my memory of the game was playing it on the collection, hmm. which I got like we we talked about, and I know I talked about this last week, but uh the the demo on the collection was a twenty minute demo, and you could go to three different areas in the in Wind Waker. You could go to Offset Island. You could go to The dungeon that you're held in at the beginning, like the prison, and you could go to another place. And I, oh, uh, Windfall Island. Okay, Uh, those were the three. Cool. And I got pretty good uh, (laughs) at being able to speed uh speed running quotes that game because obviously you're hindered a lot by the Mm -hmm. the sailing the slow sailing Mm -hmm. uh but uh those 20 minutes i made those last (laughs) i uh, (laughs) i must have gone through that a hundred times during those 20 minutes to try and find the the fastest routes and so Mm -hmm. playing it again this week i i had some crazy nostalgia trips because neil i have not played this game since 2004
1: i think wow so that's crazy so you went back to the gamecube version though right because you don't own a wii u and this game is not playable on anything else other than gamecube (laughs) uh, even yeah so
2: i i went back to the the gamecube version i bought the i finally pulled the trigger on the gamecube version because i did own it at one point uh but i sold it or got rid of it or something Mm -hmm. and at our local game store here uh i think you and i were there one time and i saw it for 50 dollars with complete in box and i thought you know what Let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. That's
1: a good deal because like I said, up front the game price is between sixty and eighty now. So you definitely got a good deal on the game. I think I paid about fifty bucks as well when I bought it yeah. back in two thousand and fourteen, I think was when I think was when I said I played it for the first time. Wind Waker two thousand fourteen on GameCube. Absolutely worth it to, to buy it for fifty dollars. Oh for yeah. sure.
2: Like just going back to it this week, man, I I was I was honestly stunned. Like I was speechless because <laughs> Playing a lot of these games like you and I have recently because of this podcast, Mm -hmm. most of them are dark is one thing I found uh, and don't look good on Mm HDTVs. For one, Uh, that's a whole other topic, just how GameCube works on HDTVs and modern TVs. Uh, A lot of the games obviously look very polygonal or, you know, the graphics were were not great because of the, the early 2000s. That just was how things were. And obviously the GameCube couldn't really run graphic heavy content. And so I've just be, kind of become used to it. And and even Sunshine is a nice looking game, especially the water. But honestly, nothing compared me to what uh, Zelda, what Wind Waker was going to be. I couldn't believe how beautiful that game looks still.
1: Oh, it, it's one of the most future-proofed 3D Zelda games ever made. I That and probably Breath of the Wild, I think, are the best graphically future-proofed Zelda games ever made. Because the yeah. art style is timeless. It's just this, yep. it's a cell-shaded cart basically playable cartoon which back in 2001 when the game was first uh, unveiled at space world like you said um that that's it caused an immediate uproar amongst fans because we were hot off of ocarina of time and then majora's mask which were these dark gloomy zelda games and somewhat realistic looking not cartoony mm-hmm. and poppy and colorful they were more of a grim zelda which they eventually went back to with uh, twilight princess so yep. when it was first unveiled and and you know everyone thought that the gamecube was this you know mature uh console for adults and teenagers and it was going to be edgy this was really when nintendo's edgy. edgy this was really when i think nintendo they can really never go back and try and say that they're going to be edgy again. And I think it's because of this game is because like, you know, they were really, <laughs> yep. they were really hyping up, you know, having mature games and M rated games like we talked about a few episodes ago. And then they came out with, with this game being the, the first Zelda game on the console after actually showing a game that looks like Ocarina of Time running on the GameCube, which is what everybody thought was going to be the first Zelda game on the GameCube was going to be like an Ocarina yep. of Time 2 graphically at least and it ended up being this it uh definitely averted expectations in the wrong way but as people came mm-hmm. out and started playing it uh the reviews got a lot better and actually it was fun to look at reviews of the gamecube version yeah. in 2003
2: I had, I had a fun time looking back <laughs> their people were ruthless yes. absolutely ruthless holy
1: but the funny thing was that everyone wanted this mature game but everyone was reviewing it like they were six years old like saying the game makes me want to vomit and you know i want to poop on this game just weird quotes like that that it's like yeah. <laughs> are you really reviewing this with a critical eye like a mature mm-hmm. gamer as you say you are or are you just crying because you're not getting ocarina of time too? but there was also a lot of positive reviews around the game which i did find was nice like even in 2003 obviously there's re- oh, yeah. reviews oh, lots. there's reviews of people playing it in 2015 like when i played it who also really loved it then too but it's good to see that in 2003 it was getting praised and positive reviews which i think this game does need I played it, like I said, first time on GameCube when I shouldn't have been playing GameCube games anymore because it was 2015. And I think the Wii U version might have just been coming out, which is how I heard about it. I actually have Mm -hmm. no memories of this game coming out when we were kids for some reason. I don't know why. I think it was just because everybody was still hot off of Ocarina of Time or still playing it. I was also a bit later getting the GameCube and I wasn't playing Zelda games then either. So I didn't really hear about Wind Waker. I don't think until I played Super Smash Bros. Brawl because that's when Toon Link was included. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I've, yeah. And so you're like, who is this? Yeah. That was one of the <laughs> things where I was like,
1: oh, this is Link. I know. I know maybe it's young Link, but then there was this separate yeah. character who was young Link. So that wasn't right. Yeah. And
2: it, it's, it's weird that like, it just, I, I feel like it's very much a place in time too, mm-hmm. because like that, it was, it was really talked about and, and I don't know why I, I, I don't remember most of these games vividly at all. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about sunshine coming out like no. stuff like that. You know, that that's clearly a massive game. I don't remember anything about Luigi's mansion, mm-hmm. but I remember wind waker. Like it was yesterday. I like vividly, vividly remember when that was coming out.
1: Interesting. I wish I did have more memories of these Zelda games coming out from, from back in the day. I, I honestly have no memory of any Zelda game being announced or released. I think until skyward sword, which was like 2010. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't remember twilight princess. No, uh,
2: now uh, being announced or released, but also it, it was a different world back then yeah. too, right? Like because there weren't Nintendo Directs, mm-hmm. there was no Twitter, there was no. You, oftentimes you looked at Nintendo Power to find
1: out what was coming yeah. out. think <laughs> yeah. like, honestly, I, I honestly looked at because I delivered the newspaper near us, and I put the we put the flyers into yeah, the, the flyers. Paper. I was yeah, looking at, look at I was looking at Best Buy and Walmart ads. That's how I yeah. knew about about new video games coming out. So yeah. th- this game has one of the best things about it. I think is what I love about Breath of the Wild, which is the exploration and the freedom to go anywhere and just to see something in the distance and go to it and visit it explore it maybe you get a few yeah. rupees out of it but uh i remember toon link again being a thing in brawl and my first uh my first thought was just that it was somehow related to Oh because of toon world or whatever that... oh my god yeah yeah wow <laughs> like everything was toony at that time like uh, looney tunes back in action there was toon world in uh in, uh, in Yu Gi Oh, and Yu-Oh, i just yeah. thought this was one of those things and <laughs> all
2: the tune cards all the t- yeah
1: you know what i think i might
2: have also thought that yeah. that because that would have been exactly that time
1: yeah i just thought it might have been something to sell merch i didn't know that there was this entire game based around it until i started to do more research on the gamecube and I picked up wind waker and right away fell in love with the music the colors the art style the gameplay itself um it does have its shortcomings though uh we'll get into that a bit later oh yeah so
2: yeah. You know what's funny is playing it again this week. Obviously, uh, there's so many nostalgic, weird deja vu things that have hit me playing it. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll almost get, like, chills, too, because I, like, remember exactly where I was in 2003 playing it. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you have ever had that with, like, a game before or even, like, an album or music or any oh, media. Definitely. Where, where, like, a scene comes up in a movie and, like, you get chills because not because it's scary, because you remember where you were when you first saw that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, whoa, that's weird. Like, I just a flood of memories came back. Yeah. And that happened to me this week. Playing at Windfall Island, there is the there's the guy's shop and he has all these vases. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if you remember this. So you go in and it's like the red door, it's like the fancy area. Yep. And uh you go inside and he has these vases and he's at the top level and he's like basically saying make sure you don't touch the vases mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, they're breakable <laughs> and of course you know i i go in and i break the vases sure. and so i i go and smash them all and the first time you break them all he's like if you break them again you'll have to buy them and so i go back in and break them all <laughs> <laughs> and he uh and, and he's like oh you broke eight vases that comes to do, do-, 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 do- 80 rupees. What? And uh, because $10 is a per raise. Oh, jeez. And so I was like, oh, I lost all my rupees. But then I realized, I was like, ha, I can just keep doing this because I have no money
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> so what, ha- what happens when you do it with no money? Does he just kick you out?
2: Yeah, he just kicks you out. He's like, I think he calls you like a freeloader or something. Mm-hmm. Um, You can actually go. Uh, oh, yeah. And then he also is like, he's like, as like, uh, uh, and I'm uh, now I'm more rich and I was already rich. Ha, ha, ha. The world is cruel. Or he says something like that. And it's like, oh man, this is like life. Wow, yeah, kind of. <laughs>
1: that that's such a weird detail that does not need to be in a video game at all, but Nintendo put it in there.
2: But it's it, as soon as I smashed that vase, and or as as soon as I saw that vase, I just got a flood of memories coming back of me on uh, the. Fl- I don't know if you remember my basement, but we had a that kind of shag carpet mm-hmm. style, that old oh, yeah. brown carpet. And do you remember the iron stain? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. That was right by the TV. There was an iron stain there. And I would always sit like very close to the iron stain because I would sit right up against the TV. Cause we had a, maybe a 20 inch okay. tube TV right. uh, down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it just like a flood of memories came coming back of just that basement. And like, you know, the, the, yep. the wooded paneled walls on yeah. it and everything that was very very strange
1: weird 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 for me to tie memory to to wind waker that i'll talk about before we have our first guest on is when i first played wind waker i had just gotten to the point where i was furnishing our basement with a couch and a new tv and everything so the basement was kind of becoming its little game room that i've made it into now and i just got back from ikea and built the couch yeah. And then Wind Waker showed up around the exact same time. So that was the first game I played on the new couch. You bought Wind Waker at Ikea. I bought it at Wind Waker. Yes, that's correct. It, <laughs> it came with the couch. It's hidden. But if you take enough lefts <laughs> in an Ikea, you do find the GameCube section. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I, I popped in uh, Wind Waker uh, this week to play it for the, to prepare for the show. And instantly just thought about the smell of new Ikea furniture. Yeah, right? Isn't that crazy? It's weird. Your mind the, is The weirdest thing. Crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know why when you said that, just triggered that for me. was hearing that sound, the flute that plays when you start up the game. I just thought, like, I remember sitting around a bunch of Ikea boxes and, and wrapping paper <laughs> yep. and the smell of that fake wood that's in Ikea furniture and <laughs> playing it on my new couch. And that that's really special. And video games should do that. And that's the thing I love about it is when they can take you back to a time, a simple time, but you don't really think is going to be a memory until... Six years later when you're playing the game again.
2: That's right. And that's what uh, podcasts can do too, Neil. And that's what we try and do here is uh, get some memories out of people and get some nostalgia that they actually completely forgot about. And that's what we're going to do with our first guest on today. Mm. Sounds good. So who's our first guest today, Mike? Our first guest of the day joining us all the way from London, Ontario. We have Matt with us. And Matt, I have a question for you to start this episode off. What did you name Link when you were playing him as a kid? Did you name him something fun like me where I named him Ass or did you just go Mm. with the standard Link or Matt?
0: Uh, Yeah, when I was young, I just uh, I just named him my name because it was like a shared console growing up. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the easiest way to find out which was mine. But uh, I think that changed pretty quick once I just wanted to be called Link. Once I knew that was his name,
1: (laughs) I don't even think I knew his name. That was the exact same story I had was uh, same thing growing up in a family with siblings uh, you, you only had a few save files and you didn't want to god forbid you accidentally play your brother's save file and uh, he gets mad at you <laughs> so you have to name it the whoever you are yeah. so yeah I was Neil for years and then eventually once my brother went away from video games and I started buying all the consoles myself every single character was named Link yeah. That's a good point though Matt
2: like you don't actually know that his name is Link unless you have like the strategy guide right. saying Link
0: yeah, I think, like, that's how I found out. Mm-hmm. I got a strategy guide because I was stuck in uh, the Forest Temple.
1: Right, right. I can't imagine how many people played Smash Bros. for the first time <laughs> in 1998 and was just like, oh, he's not <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah.
0: Oh, he has a name?
1: <laughs> he has a name that isn't mine? Wow,
2: what? <laughs> yeah. And because this is your first time on the podcast, we, of course, have to ask you the very important question. Did you own a GameCube back in the day?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I bought a, a, a silver GameCube used at Microplay Ooh, sweet. Uh, with wow. uh, oh with Animal Crossing. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's that's how I got my GameCube back in the day. Having flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, so good. So
2: then you did have the, the foresight then to get a memory card with it because obviously Animal Crossing did come with a memory yeah, card.
0: Yeah, started off with a memory card. Yeah, still mm. got that one still got my my saves on it
2: beautiful
1: and we we of course brought you on today to talk about one of our favorite games of all time and one of our favorite zelda games of all time is the legend of zelda wind waker did, did you pick up that game at launch or were you on the divided side of the nintendo fan base who thought it was uh complete heresy to go into the, the cell shaded zelda realm
0: uh so i didn't have it at start this is back when i was still like uh young enough that I think I think I had like a paper route so you know I kind of bought games when I saved up enough money I mean I love Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and I think a buddy from work invited me over one day to play uh, Wind Waker and I just like fell in love with it and borrowed it from him uh, right at the start so I
1: you knew other paper carriers (laughs) or just another just a just a buddy from school we okay, lived gotcha. in the same
0: town. I grew up in a small town, so you know, there wasn't many friends that uh, lived nearby, so I got very lucky. Yeah. yeah, I mean, without internet either, I mean, it's not like uh, you're looking for the next release at that time. It's just like whoever says this game is good and and
1: uh, yeah, I fell in love with it pretty quick. All there was was school year talk and video game magazines. No, and that's a big
2: thing too, is that because there wasn't internet at the time, mm-hmm. uh, or no, there was, but there, it wasn't very mass different. used. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, there was no Twitter. There was no uh, easy way for fans to uh, show their displeasure other than maybe some forums and, and things like mm-hmm. that. And obviously when this game got released, there was a lot of displeasure among the fan base because of that cel-shaded uh, art style, and mm-hmm. that was really because of of Space World uh, in 2001, which was a kind of like an E3 for Nintendo mm-hmm. at the time. Neil, do you have more information on that?
1: Yeah, Space World, you nailed it. It, it, it was a bit like Nintendo's E3 uh, conference. I'm really glad that they renamed their own conference. I think Space World is just it doesn't make any sense for why they'd be yeah. there. But the one in 2001 is the uh, infamous one where Wind Waker was announced. It was uh, between August 24th and 26th of 2001. This is the 12th year they had been doing it. So long time, since 1989, I believe, I guess it was. Uh, so this was when the GameCube was just being announced. They were showing off tech demos for, for Zelda games and Mario games uh, and also Game Boy Advance games soon to be coming out. Uh, This was when they first showed the clip of The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and instantly split the fan base into like a lightning bolt, uh, where, like you said, Mike, this was when the internet was in its infancy stages and there was no mass Twitter, but there were internet chat rooms and specific fan sites being made, and this is when the the phrase Zelda was coined, which is basically taking cel-shaded graphics and Zelda and making it into a joke, and... And you can still find some of these reviews online. Like if you go to Metacritic, you can find some reviews from 2002, 2003, where people were calling this the worst video game of all time and just ruining their childhood. And how can you take Zelda in this in this direction? And it's just funny to see in, you know, 20 years later now almost to see the difference that what it is between when it came out and now where even Bill Trinan has said on on record to say that the, he calls it the Zelda cycle where almost every single Zelda game has this cycle where when it's first announced there's this backlash and this hatred towards the game for some reason if it's the art style or the way Link looks or whatever it may be and then slowly the, the positive reviews start to outweigh the negatives so that's kind of in a nutshell what happened in Space World 2001 um, I wasn't there I was not old enough I didn't <laughs> I, <laughs> no I, I, I was only seven years old so I was far too young yeah. and, and I didn't play Zelda until far later so
2: I mean, yeah, the, obviously the big issue was the fact that, you know, the fans were expecting something and they weren't given it. And, uh, you know, that's an unfortunate part of innovation sometimes, honestly, mm-hmm. like that you know, not Waker was clearly something that was yeah. tried to be done very differently than anything else that they had done before. And that's a very Nintendo move mm-hmm. to do that. And especially to pivot when they aren't happy with something, which they weren't happy with the the Ocarina uh, kind of upscale that they showed. But obviously we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that more later on. Mm-hmm. But um, Matt, I do have a, a question for you. What is your favorite level or dungeon or area of Wind Waker? Mm. If you if you had to pick like one area or one, you know, part of that game that really kind of sparks the nostalgia, I guess is what I'm going for here.
0: I mean, it's hard to say if, I mean, if it was a specific dungeon, I, I honestly think... Uh... The, the forest temple one the forsaken
2: uh, forsaken forest, forest forsaken yeah, forest. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: forsaken forest just being able to fly and start yeah. using like arguably in my opinion one of the best items which is the leaf uh yeah yes. being able to like you know play with fire and physics and mm-hmm. fly around and obviously like that affects a lot of how you traverse and being able to jump around and stuff it's just something that was very unique to from coming from the other games where I guess with Majora's Mask, you got to do some more movement and stuff with the masks, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was definitely uh, opened up your possibilities more than the game had ever done, and I think more than any mm-hmm. other game I had played at that point.
1: That Forest Temple, when you first do get up to the the top of the, uh, the tree, I guess it's meant to be the spirit of the deco tree and you mm-hmm. you get the leaf and you can finally use it almost as the kite for or not not the kite the glider right.
2: from uh from Breath of the Wild.
1: Thank you. Yeah. It felt just like the same moment <laughs> where you you jump off the cliff and you pop the glider out and then you just glide down to the platform you were going to. I got major Breath of the Wild chill like vibes coming from that moment yeah. and then just having korok seeds all over the place which this is when they're introduced to as well, right? right? I don't think there's any korok seeds in
0: Yeah, I think this is the first first introduction. So
1: definitely a lot of like kind of you know Breath of the Wild's uh, inspirations starting to come out of Zelda games for sure, and that that is a very influential dungeon. I, I like that one too.
0: Yeah, and I mean graphically too. This game is very influential on Breath of the Wild. Oh yeah. I mean, like the cell shaded and everything. uh I think it's something that they've leaned into more and more as the as the games have gone on too. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Wind Waker really or Breath of the Wild really does feel like the spiritual successor to Wind Waker. Yeah. The more and more I play it this mm-hmm. week getting ready for the the episode i obviously played through wind waker uh, but every time i would kind of boot up wind waker after about an hour in i was like you know what i just want to play breath of the wild <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like i love this game obviously but, but breath of the wild just does everything so perfectly and just kind of re- refines all those elements I, I unfortunately don't have wind waker hd because i don't have a, a wii u i would love to play wind waker hd neil played mm-hmm wind waker hd this week yeah
1: i i was playing it i played wind waker on gamecube once i played wind waker hd on wii u when it came out i might have picked it up a few months later to a year later since i was late on the wii u and mm-hmm. uh yeah i think that the wii u version is the best way to play the game right now it's funny actually if you go yeah. back to it it has it still has the miiverse function like if you press one of the buttons it tries <laughs> yeah, to connect you to weird. miiverse because they thought it would be a fun <laughs> idea to let you connect with other players and you know, give each other hints uh, and messages and stuff like that but uh it's so sad that's
0: gone it was very sad it was so cool to just find people's artwork sitting on the beach and it made it feel very i mean like kind of like the souls games do right it makes it feel connected even though it's a single player experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that
1: Mm -hmm. is definitely the best way to play the game nowadays i i I, mike and i are just praying for a a wind waker hd re-release on switch of some kind it would just be so nice to have that so i don't have to hook up my wii U anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm I'm
0: definitely waiting on it because yeah i mean i have my wii u and i I still replay Wind Waker maybe once a year nice. or so on the Wii U. But yeah, I mean, I, I went back to to try and play it, the original on the GameCube uh, this week in prep. And uh, oh man, there's so many quality of life improvements that I didn't realize were there. Mm-hmm. Even just subtle ones like uh, being able to uh, move left and right slightly when you're uh, swinging your rope. Yes. I totally forgot that that wasn't in the original, and I was no, like, oh my god, I have I to know. fully stop, <laughs> rotate, and then go the direction I yeah, wanted. Yeah,
1: swinging on a rope was a, was a pain in the ass, and of course they- I forgot that. <laughs> and and yeah. they sped up the sailing, which of course is the biggest right. the biggest drawback of Wind Waker is the sailing, unfortunately, but it's also one of the biggest yeah. positives because it's part of the exploration part of the game, which is what we love. It's like mm-hmm. a double-edged sword where it's, it's the best part of the game, but it's also the part of the game which needed the most improvement, which it eventually got on the Wind Waker HD re-release.
2: I also just love the the HUD too for the Wii U one. Like just yeah. the HUD for the GameCube one is is a lot. I mean uh, that was kind of the style at the time, so I I don't you know fault them really for it, for doing that. But it it feels like there's a lot in your viewport at all times where where Wii U kind of dialed everything back, which was
1: obviously well a nice. lot of the HUD went to the gamepad, which.
2: as we know it seems to come up in like every game they have to show the GameCube controller at all times yeah that was
1: an issue i mean having one screen on having only one screen to play a game on you have to fit as much as you can in that screen and also make it pleasing to watch but with the wii u and the ds and 3ds you could put things like maps and button mapping and and controls or hints on this extra pad, which doesn't impede what you're oh, yeah. seeing on how TV. Oh yeah, how
2: does how does that work on Wii U? What what goes on the, on the extra pad? So
1: on the on the pad, uh, it has the map. You can switch between the map, or you can switch between your items. So instead of constantly oh, pressing okay. pause, you can just look down and and look and see what items you oh have equipped God. to X, Y, A, B, and you can switch out your grapple hook for your hook shot, for your boomerang, for whatever and you you don't really yeah useful. it's, it, it's so very handy. useful yeah so that that's kind of what the gamepad is used for which also makes it a more preferred way to play unfortunately you have to play with the Wii U gamepad but <laughs> 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 but it still does make the the game easier to uh, interact with
0: I, I mean it's also nice to like put it onto the the pad so you can like i you don't know throw on a show or something while you're just sailing around aimlessly mm-hmm. it kind yeah. of adds an extra element of, you know, you don't have to just sit there and stare as you sail along, you know, you can kind of Uh, multitask maybe put on a a show or a
2: podcast or something maybe put on the GameCube is cool (laughs) (laughs) that's what I did when I played
1: uh, Wind Waker for the first time was because the GameCube version was much more time consuming I that's when I really started listening to podcasts is when I was playing these Zelda games that do take a lot of your time and especially Wind Waker Mm -hmm. not that the music isn't great to listen to but after a while you want to switch over to something else yeah
0: I mean the music I love the music in that game
2: well let's talk about that for a second (laughs) Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so obviously, every Zelda game has fantastic music and very original uh, music, but this one in particular, I think, has a very—I uh, don't want to use get very particular music <laughs> style uh, mm-hmm. that 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 really sets it apart from other Zelda games. You know, other Zelda games tend to have. Very much a piano based high fantasy mm-hmm. kind of style of, of a score. But Wind Waker really goes doubles down on the pirate theme, on like the everything feels like a sea shanty. Yeah. And really, every piece of music, even pieces of music that were in other Zelda games that they've kind of reused for this, it, they all feel like there's so much part of this world.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say, it definitely feels like it has a lot of like unique pieces too. Yes. It doesn't have like many of the main themes in that aren't recreations of an existing one, which. Feels good because I feel like Twilight Princess has a lot of kind of reimaginings of existing oh, yeah, songs. Yeah, the ocarina whereas... ones especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah feels exactly. Like the ocarina soundtrack. Yes. So this t- it has like such a very unique feel, which obviously goes along with you know the island life and and being on the sea and everything. Mm-hmm.
1: Like as soon as the game starts up, just that that opening soundtrack for the menu. Do 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 do
2: do 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 do. Exactly. I can do it, but but
1: it's it is like it's
2: very strange because the first song you hear is like dun, 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 mm-hmm. like in the in like the, in, yeah the I guess, intro yeah, the interest showing the ship and then mm-hmm. when you click start then you have this like lullaby-esque mm-hmm. um, song that's playing and it's such a cool contrast. I completely forgot about it until I booted up the game again this week and I was like oh yeah, yeah this yeah. is this it lulls you into almost into this like false sense of security Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) that's what it feels like it's like ah, no don't worry everything's gonna be fine (laughs) one one fun fact (laughs) about the uh the soundtrack that i found was that in the opening score with the uh the sound that you're talking about is the there's a string instrument being strummed i think it's a mandolin uh, Miyamoto is credited for playing the mandolin in the intro Ooh. oh cool yeah he's actually a either. very good musician he plays guitar and and a few other instruments and he was playing the mandolin and that that's him strumming it it's just a few just you know four beat strum strum but and then they're yeah. playing the the flute over it and that's him playing so right. interesting fact there that he was actually credited in the soundtrack which is really <laughs> that's I <awesome>. love Miyamoto <laughs> hmm.
0: yeah mm-hmm. that, that's cool for him to be able to have a part in that because I think at this point he he wasn't really involved in the no. game, right? This is uh, this is is this when I uh, oh I'm gonna say it wrong. Enuma. Ayanuma? Yeah, Ianuma, Uh This is when is this the first one he really did a big? I'm trying to remember. Ah, uh,
2: oh. good question. He, he is he is the director of the game. I'm not sure if it's his first one, and he also directed the uh, Wind Waker HD. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting for Miyamoto to hand that off to mm-hmm. uh, someone else and and to kind of take with it. And that's kind of cool that he got to put some music in there because I know
1: he's big on music oh yeah he he loves music yeah which is very creative guy didn't didn't he
2: play How it was like somewhere he was actually like playing the guitar with people and like playing like the Mario
1: theme song I think that was at it was at like an e three presentation where he was yeah, pla- or it was on like a late night show. Mm-hmm. he was playing I think it was around the time that the switch <laughs> got announced. He played guitar yeah on a, right. a and you're then of right. course with all of the we're not going to talk about it on this podcast too much, but with Wii music, all of those types of things <laughs> at e three he was playing some of the instruments when that when that That's game right. got announced. Yeah, so right. he, he is very much a musician and a very creative guy with everything. And he did stay as a producer on The Legend of Zelda franchise after he uh, handed it off to uh, EG Anuma. So he he is still Mm -hmm. heavily involved in Zelda since it is one of his creations. An amazing, amazing guy. He created Mario and Zelda and Star Fox. So Mm -hmm. hats off to him. Obviously one of the greatest video game developers of all time.
2: Two or three of those franchises are doing extremely well. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. We'll we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Wow.
0: I mean, one one thing that I, I found interesting coming back to this game kind of with this critical eye of of knowing that I'm going to be talking about it is uh how much better the combat is compared to the the previous games. Yes. Um mm-hmm. like they obviously between Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask they kind of improved some of the animations and stuff, but it was still pretty much the same game. But here we added stuff like parries and uh and just kind of increased the flow of the of the sword fighting uh to mm-hmm. a point that I just never realized. I mean, obviously it's a big thing in um, uh, Breath of the Wild, but like having different weapons that you can pick up and use that are kind of limited time, and and having the parry, and uh, just kind of putting a little more focus into that, so it's not just as simple as mashing B the whole time. Mm-hmm.
2: One one okay. thing I love is the, like you mentioned the picking up different items and different swords. Uh, that's one thing I really love about this game because when you pick them up, there's nothing that comes up saying, "Look what you got! You got this sword. You can do this with it." It just you just pick it up, and as the player, mm-hmm. like, am I am I allowed? Can, can, can I use yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we'll, <laughs> we'll link break. It's, it's such a <laughs> random thing. This is
1: the first Zelda game. I, uh, I can't believe we haven't talked about this yet. It is the first Zelda game where you can steal enemies weapons. And you know, one of the, uh, uh, Moblins drops his giant sword and you can pick it up. And it's just funny to see this little toon link with this giant sword. <laughs> yeah. It takes him a few extra seconds to swing it since he's not using his little sword. Yeah. It's so clever. And I don't think they really ever, I'm trying to think if they did this in twilight princess, I don't think so. Or even skyward sword where you can steal weapons. I think that that was very much a, a wind waker yeah. thing. And then they, they blow it way overboard on breath of the wild where <laughs> the weapons disintegrate and they deteriorate mm-hmm. and you have to use them in a certain amount of time. Uh, with the combat as well uh there's I also love the um the little sound that or the music I guess accom- accompanied with it is that yeah. when you hit an enemy it kind of goes like duh, 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 duh. Yeah. like kind of like a little flourish <laughs> like an orchestra where it, it's almost like a song and a dance that you're doing with the enemies it's it's just mm-hmm. so brilliant
0: yeah it definitely adds to that ambiance right you get that mm-hmm. combat music come in and yeah it feels like uh like a dance with them mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it seems very on brand for Zelda. And I, again, playing this game this week, I kind of forgot about a lot of those little things. And it just makes you smile when you (laughs) when you you do get to pick up an item like that, or when like you you hear the the little chords going every time you hit someone in in, like successive uh, hits. I just I just love that so Mm -hmm. much. Yeah. All right. And Matt, is there anything else you would like to say about this beautiful, wonderful uh, game before we let you go?
0: uh no but i mean if anyone's out there who hasn't played it they definitely need to give it a shot uh it's it's a cool piece of zelda history if nothing else
2: are you saying you're putting the Matt stamp of approval on this game oh 100 <laughs> <Sweet. Yeah. laughs> especially if you can get the wii u version
1: yes if you can get a wii u oh yeah those are hard <laughs> yeah. to find too that's a good point <laughs> they're still pricey actually didn't sell mine. You gotta take good care of them. Oh, don't take good care of it. Just you know <laughs> <laughs> The screen is scary.
0: Second second hand market for those uh for those tablets mm. is gonna be terrifying because it's plastic.
2: That's Ugh. true. Yeah, that's true. Well, Neil, maybe one day uh, we'll be walking in New York City and you're gonna find a box of Wii Us. Maybe and, uh, like a... just like we found the box of n sixty uh, the N sixty four box. I still
1: so. have my Wii U in box, so it's 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 there. It's hanging out, waiting for me it's... to play Wind, wind waker, waker again <laughs> yeah that's pretty much all i need it for <laughs> yeah
0: it's my Windmaker machine exactly yeah.
2: <laughs> well hopefully there'll be a twilight princess hd on the switch before we talk about twilight princess uh
1: yeah, next cool. year maybe it's already got the wii u one
2: <laughs> or else you'll have to break out your wii u uh, again yeah you know? that's true
1: maybe i'll just leave it plugged in <laughs> <laughs> i think i'd rather play it on gamecube <laughs>
2: Hmm. Uh, all right, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on today. We really appreciate it, and uh, we hope to have you back very soon.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for
2: having me, guys. Yep. Take care, man. All right. Take care. All right. Talk to you later. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you so much, Matt, for being our first guest of the day and uh mm-hmm. first guest of many on this uh, very beefy double episode. And yeah, great, great points overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. All
1: round. All round fan of Zelda in general. And yep, great wealth of knowledge and. Glad to hear there's so many Wind Waker fans. I think now, now, looking back, we actually made a bit of a mistake where we found four fans of Wind Waker to come and talk about Wind Waker. We should have done a better job of finding someone who doesn't <laughs> like Wind Waker. I was just thinking about that now, but whatever.
2: I I I, I asked people who <laughs> I asked a <laughs> lot of different exist. people, but I, I can't I couldn't find them. They don't exist. Uh, yeah,
1: we're excited to
2: obviously we're excited to have Matt on this episode, and we will be having you on, having him on again, probably for the Paper Mario episode, and that's mm-hmm. gonna be fun, Neil, because uh, you and him can just talk for an hour about how much you hate everything past uh, the gamecube paper mario exactly well i don't hate
1: i don't hate the wii one that's the thing is the wii one is not that bad i don't understand why people don't like it, it but it's after the wii one that i don't like okay but, yeah there you go. No, i'm
2: sure you guys it, can agree on
1: that we all every paper mario fan agrees that the gamecube one is the greatest one of the series but the wii one is fine it's not bad it's the ds and the 3d or the 3ds and the wii u and the switch one that i can't get around <laughs> But anyway, we're talking about Wind Waker today. It's happy thoughts. Yeah, it's happy thoughts.
2: Talk, time to talk about some Paper
1: Wind Waker. Paper Zelda. Zelda game would, paper Zelda would be incredible. Our second guest of the day is running a little bit behind schedule, Mike. So I thought now would be a good time to talk about a, a famous or a fairly famous Japanese film that inspired Wind Waker, or at least the art style of Wind Waker. Why don't we talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So this is this film. I'm not sure. I had never heard of it before. I didn't hear no. about it until actually. So I got this this, uh, this information from the Retronauts podcast. Retronauts is a fantastic podcast and they did a episode on Wind Waker quite a few years ago. Uh, they have a great little opening too that they said for Wind Waker. I'm just going to read it here. It sure. says, in a generation where games strove to be gritty, photorealistic, and more mature, The Legend of Zelda Wind Waker dared to be bold, cartoony, and suffered greatly at the hands of console warriors. Mm-hmm. Yet close to 15 years later, and with the help of an HD remake, Link's seafaring GameCube adventure is remembered quite fondly. On this episode of Retronauts, join all these people as the crew explores just how the GameCube game went from reviled to treasured. In And then in the podcast itself, they talk a lot about... Uh, this film called the little prince and the eight headed dragon and now this is a podcast so i can't actually show people this but we will post some links on our on our story and um and you also have a phone in your pocket look <laughs> you also have a phone in your pocket uh or are listening to our podcast right now on your phone so yeah just look it up the little prince and the eight headed dragon uh you can just look at the trailer it looks very wind waker-esque neil
1: yeah very wind waker-esque and a- The animation style, we're going to talk about animation a ton on this episode. For 1963, which is when this movie came out, a Japanese film, this is incredible animation for 1963. I'm watching it right now. This looks like something that could have come out in the 90s.
2: Yes, it does look like, um, it does look that early 90s, almost uh, Pocahontas style of um, uh, like Disney animation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you can definitely see where they got inspiration for, for Wind Waker in this, just the main character. Their his eyes, eyes yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the giant monsters too the giant dragons they look like wind waker characters wind waker has a little bit more of a 3d effect to it whereas this one is clearly a 2d animation film
2: there's also like a lot of uh, elements in this film where he's sailing uh, <laughs> on a mm. boat you know again yep. <laughs> which look obviously not a dragon boat but uh, still uh, looks a lot like wind waker in that sense
1: close enough yeah it's a very interesting film and one that i would check out i don't know where listeners can find it these days (laughs) you Uh, mean it's
2: not a netflix neil
1: i doubt it (laughs) it's not in a netflix original no no this is this is years before netflix mike just a couple. Some would say decades. <laughs> just a couple. Yeah. So it might you might be able to find a torrent of it. I guess there's always that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, check your local blockbuster, as we like to say. <laughs> the Wind Waker also had a when because when you said uh, you told me you wanted to talk about the film that Wind Waker was inspired by. Yeah. I thought you meant the Wind Waker film hoax from 2013, which uh, I was completely what? caught off guard. Is that yeah? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in 2013, there was some sort of like a, a, a rumor going around or a, a fake. Uh, April Fool's joke, if you will, that uh, Illumination uh, Entertainment, the studio that makes Despicable Me and the Minions were in talks with Nintendo to make this Wind Waker off film based on the GameCube game. It ended up being fake completely, mm-hmm. but it, w- it was just a funny moment in time where uh, I don't think anybody thought it was real for very long, but it, they... They thought that there was going to be a Zelda Wind Waker game made by the people who made Despicable Me, which might actually look okay. I'm not a huge fan of Illumination films. Yeah, I haven't neither, seen neither a bunch I. of them. The art style just bothers me in those uh, in those. <laughs> everything's
2: too perfect, you know? Yeah. Everything looks too nice. Mm-hmm. People, it's like toxic toxic positivity.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, everything's too happy, too cheerful, too clean. Show me a little bit of grit, please, in your world. But yeah, so that that that's uh, the film that the game was based on, and then a film that almost got made based on the game. So it almost went full circle. <laughs> Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, I think now is probably a good time to introduce our second guest of the show today.
2: All right. And joining us today is Ryan all the way from Toronto, Ontario. And Ryan, I have a question to you uh, for you to start off the show. And it's, I know you were playing uh, Wind Waker to get ready for this podcast. Did you name Link something other than Link when you started up again? I'm afraid not. I, I just uh, <laughs> stuck with the
3: classic Link. Uh, you know, I pretty much anytime I played Zelda, I always call him Link. I, I, I guess I'm kind of traditional in that sense.
2: Yeah, that's hey. You know what? That's okay. I'd say most of the guests today are probably mm-hmm. going to say that as well. Uh, but then I also have another question for you because this is the first time that you've been on the podcast. And uh, my question is, did you own a GameCube? Uh, I did own a GameCube, and and thanks for having me on the show. By the way,
3: of course. Listen to you oh, guys. I love the podcast. Sweet. Um, but yeah, I did own a GameCube. Uh, I would have been, uh, I think, in uh, like grades maybe seven or eight when I bought the GameCube, and yeah, I loved it. I, I, I don't own the GameCube anymore. I, I do have a Wii, so I still have all my old GameCube games, but I play them through the Wii now. <laughs> The, the GameCube game Slim. Slim. Yes, that, yeah. that's what we like to call
1: it, yes. And I'm interested to know, when you picked up the GameCube, what game did you get with it? We don't actually ask uh, yeah, that's a visitors that, which is a question I want to ask. Since you did pick it up when you were a little bit older than some other people may have, you were 13, I guess, in grade 7 or 8. I think that's the age group there.
3: Yeah. I think it might have been NHL Hits 2002. Oh, sick. Ooh. That's a yeah, good choice, a man. Old, like, I think that was
2: three-on-three three hockey and
1: uh, a lot of Sweet. just checking.
2: Starting up with some limp biscuit, you know, getting right mm. in there. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> and and then my other question to follow up with that is, uh, what color was that GameCube?
3: Uh, it was just a black one. Yeah, pretty, yep. pretty standard. standard. Very good. Very yeah. good. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of cool firing up the game this week uh, or last week and uh, seeing the like the last save date on it was from like 2010, and then before that it was like 2006 or something. So it had been like over 10 <laughs> yep. years since I last played the game. But I was really happy to to go back and, and play it through again. It was it was great. Yeah. So I guess what
2: what were your you know what are your memories of the game and does it still hold up for you playing it uh, again this week? Well, uh, you know, I, usually I got my GameCube games at Christmas.
3: I think most most kids probably did, uh, and so you know I. It was always an exciting day, like Christmas morning. You'd always come down, and I could kind of like see the presents, and I could see which one was like wrapped like a video game. I'm like, oh yeah, there it is, and then, you know, ripping the <laughs> ripping the uh, the wrapping off, and then I could see like the gold mm-hmm. uh, tint of the of the game. I'm like, oh yeah, I got Zelda. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I back then, like uh, I didn't have a computer at home then either. I don't think I got a computer in my house till grade ten. So. Like I didn't have any internet to like look up if I got stuck somewhere, uh, you know, I just had to figure it out. Or you know, other friends who had the game, if they were further ahead, I'd have to like invite a friend over to show me how to get (laughs) past something.
1: Luckily, Wind Waker is one of the easier Zelda games. You don't typically get too lost. I, I at least didn't find that. I mean, I can definitely see how getting stuck at certain points, like not knowing where to go and wasting a ton of time yeah. sailing from, from here to there. I do want to know, though, Mike and I, we haven't talked about this yet at all, is you unwrapped this game on Christmas morning and you saw the box art when, when you unwrapped it. What was your first impression of the Wind Waker box art? Because I'm looking at it right now as we're recording it. Yeah, I've got it here, too. And I got to say it's, it, it's slightly underwhelming if I'm saying so. Mm. I, I think they, I think they did a lot better with the Wii U remake with the, just the bright colors, all the characters, it's shiny. This one is a bit more of like a faded metallic gold. I don't think my copy's faded. I, I just think like if, if you hold it in a certain light, you can't even see Link on, on his boat. Yeah, that's
3: true. Uh, uh, I do like the, the gold color that, that is associated with Zelda. You know, that's kind of, again, being mm-hmm. kind of a traditionalist, uh, like I've got a Nintendo Power Special Edition Zelda copy, and the cover is like a gold copy, and I don't. Know, to oh, me, that wow. just says. Nice. To me, that just says Zelda. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, but uh,
1: I just don't think that the gold pops the way it did. Like they did the same thing with or with Ocarina of Time, and with A Link to the Past. I think is a gold box with a lot of black. Yeah, actually, no, that, but, that sounds right to me too. Yeah, Majora's Mask was more of the purplish green and black, very dark. I, I feel like with the With this game just being a bright, tropical, you know, sea shanty game, I think that they should have gone with something that kind of pops a little bit more for a cover. Well, and if you
3: open it up too, then you've got the the book, like the little insert booklet that came with it, and that's that's the very bright, colorful... I think, this, I think this I think this
1: going with the box art would have been better like this this manual and is that's what they did beautiful uh,
2: with uh, Wii U mm-hmm. because the manual is basically what the Wii U cover ended up being. and then they yeah. put that gold kind of foil over it. so they, they, they put the two together, which is I think they realized that's what they should have done back then anyway. And you know
3: what I was I'm wondering if because uh, when it came out there was a bit of controversy leading up to it with the tune graphics, uh, the cartoon mm-hmm. graphics. You know, that they were, that people were worried that they were catering more to kids and they were going to like kind of dumb it down, make it a, a kid's game. So I don't know. Maybe they were just thinking if they made the, the box too bright or colorful, people would be less yeah. inclined to pick it up. I don't know. I'm just speculating there, but.
2: That's actually a really good point. And you know what? Probably true. That's actually, I'm I'm sure that's that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is also another variant that's very rare to find. And it's a, I think it might be PAL which is like Europe and mm-hmm. other places, but it's a black box with just a stained glass image of, of Link uh, in the stained glass above it. And again, going for a very kind of low-key feel and not really pushing that tune art. I, but I, yeah, I think you're 100% right, Ryan. I think that's definitely why they did it. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's even a more rare copy, Mike, which I don't know, Ryan, if you know about this, but uh, it's uh, it was released in North America December 2005. It was a combo pack with Metroid Prime. It's the box. The box art is literally split down the middle vertically. Half of the case looks like Metroid (laughs) prime and the other half looks like wind waker and both discs are in there. That is an insanely expensive piece of, uh, (laughs) of video game history of, if you can find it, it's $700 on eBay. Wow. <laughs> I wish people would, or video games would do more of that. Just combo some, put some combo packs together. Like yeah. not for $700, but just like, it'd be really cool if towards the end of the Switch's life cycle, if you could pick up Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey for I don't know, 150 bucks, like maybe save $10 off the, off the MSRP price. If you can get that, that'd be really fun to go back to. But anyway, that's a little piece of history uh, (laughs) trivia there for you.
2: But yeah, let's go back to Wind Waker itself uh, right now. And obviously this game has a ton of great quests and great locations. Are there any quests or locales, I guess, Ryan, that really stand out to you? Well, the main islands, you know, uh, Windfall, big
3: one. That's, there's so much to do there. Just so many little side quests originate from Windfall and they they send you out across the ocean.
1: I think. I, I think just to jo- jog your memory a little bit, Outset Island itself, just the island that Link was born on, is very iconic in Zelda, and just the Zelda world now. It, even so much that uh, if you've played Breath of the Wild, they even recreated Outset Island. It's a little Easter egg where there's this little area, like a beachside town, the Lurland Village. Mm-hmm. Yes. In uh, Breath yes. Of the I'm Wild.
3: familiar with that.
1: Yeah. They remade Outset Island in Breath of the Wild, which if you're not looking for it, you'd completely miss it. But if you check out screenshots and comparisons, it's the exact same thing. So even the the little town that Link grew up on uh, has become somewhat iconic. And uh, w- with this game,
2: yeah,
1: I-, I love I love the little town that he grew up in. That's that's a good <laughs> one.
3: Yeah, and and I guess just you mentioned Breath of the Wild. I found this game, you know, of all the past games before Breath of the Wild, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought this one was the most similar, just in in art style but also in the just the openness and and yes it's linear uh to a point but there's also like parts where the game just opens up and you you can go do like a hundred side quests before
2: you advance the story if you want so mm-hmm. yeah the fact that you can sail anywhere if you really want to right like yeah like you mm-hmm. you really aren't restricted at all yeah so it was
3: yeah. after playing breath of the wild and then going back to play this game again i was just kind of like Really amazed at at, uh, how much Breath of the Wild probably took from this game, and I didn't even realize that because it had been so long since I played Wind Waker, but
2: yeah, strong connections there for sure. Oh yeah, same here. I felt the same way. Um, One thing that we haven't actually talked too much about is characters themselves, and I, I wanted to just touch a little bit on Tetra. What are your thoughts on 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 Tetra? Well, Zelda is what we're gonna yes. <laughs> oh. realize, but uh, I thought Tetra was a very kind of badass, charming character that you really hadn't seen, uh, especially for females in the in the Zelda franchise before. What are you, what are your thoughts on Tetra, Ryan?
3: Yeah, for sure, she was definitely like a mischievous character. Um, you know, there there have been the strong female characters in the the Zelda series in the past, but uh, yeah, Tetra. Uh, you know, the she's this little girl, but she's the captain of the ship. All these other pirates are much bigger than her but they all bow to her and they uh you know her wish is their command
1: i i thought it was kind of funny how they gave her like almost like we 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 love recess the family channel show she almost had like a spinelli kind of personality to her (laughs) where she was a bit spunky very very tough very just cheeky and and sarcastic i one thing i found a little bit unnerving or not unnerving but just i guess just different, is that when she found out that she was Zelda or that she was a descendant of Zelda, she kind of became Zelda, like a princess. I thought it would have been kind of more fun if she was still that kind of badass pirate chick um, after she found out she became Zelda. There was a a massive just character shift when you found out who she actually was, which I get what they were trying to do. It's like, oh, it's Zelda. She's actually, she's here. But I think it would have been fun to just have Zelda be this different character for an entire game instead of going to an actual fantasy, high fantasy princess. Yeah,
3: I guess it's a lot to... To live up to when you realize you're the descendant of a, a long lost kingdom and the <laughs> weight of the world's on your shoulders, whereas before you were just kind of sailing the seas looking for treasure and causing trouble. But uh, <laughs> you know, I guess she, she felt the weight
2: mm-hmm. of the role on. Yeah, her. exactly. Now, in terms of so obviously you play this is uh, you know when you were younger, but uh, and you play this again now, 2006, 2010, 2021. How does the the game feel now for you? Does it still hold up well?
3: Yeah, it, it felt very fresh. Um, I, I tried replaying uh, Twilight Princess last year, and yeah. I didn't even finish it because I just kind of felt that, like, it was, the graphics felt really dated. And, it, like, it was, it's a great game, too. I'm not going to knock it too much. But just in terms of, of it feeling kind of old, like, Twilight Princess to me felt old, and, and this game did not. Like, this, uh, and I've never mm-hmm. played the HD version, and I know the graphics on that look even better, but... Uh, the, the original gamecube graphics are still great by making it like a cartoon style they really kind of made it the most future proof Zelda game and finish the story i didn't uh, obviously do all the side quests i think it takes like over 60 hours or something to do all the side quests but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah but uh, no it was like very fresh and and uh, holds up to today's games a lot of the mechanics oh, yeah. are you know still the same as uh, are used in other adventure games today uh, so yeah
2: it, it was great yep no a hundred percent hundred percent well ryan uh is there anything else you'd like to add about uh, this great game before we let you go
3: you know one other thing i noticed too is just the sense of humor in the game is is really great too uh one of the more hilarious uh moments in the game is when you're in on windfall island and you go into the the little uh, shop that's got the basically the battleship game and there's the the clerk who's running that game he he just like his the facial expression on him is just that he's unenthused he doesn't want any customers to come into the store (laughs) and uh, when you play the game and and you beat it then he he's got this like uh this cardboard cutout that he puts over his face that's supposed to like show him being happy and then there's like he's got another one that he's supposed to be like a villager that's happy that he he saved the town from the squids or something. So, you know, I thought that was hilarious.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot about it. he he's like a French pirate because he keeps yeah, saying like yeah, Z yeah. like <laughs> for everything. <laughs> then, yeah, he like turns it on like when when you're actually playing him, when you're not like when you when you haven't played yet. He's like, oh whatever, I don't care. I don't about recall this. <laughs> there being a
3: whole lot of humor in previous Zelda games, so I thought no. they really, had, uh, you know. The fact they were able to incorporate humor into this uh, and quite well at that—that uh, uh, that was really impressive to me too. But uh, yeah, overall, just was uh, super happy replaying the game. And uh, you know, if you if you've never played it before and it's twenty twenty one, I'd highly recommend you you yeah. give it a try because yes. it's just a great game. Holds up. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, no, hundred percent agreed. Well, thank you so much, Ryan, for coming on and sharing your thoughts and memories. Mm-hmm. And uh, we hope to see you again soon.
3: Yeah, appreciate you having me on the show.
2: Thanks. Take care, man. All right. See you later. Right. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: What a nice young
2: man. What a nice young man. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on the show. His first time ever on our lovely show. It was great to have him. Great insights, great knowledge. And yeah.
1: Yeah, it was fun to have somebody on who received the game as a Christmas gift. I feel like we haven't had many of those yet. It's always like people picked it up, or maybe they got it for a birthday. I feel like that we haven't really captured that Christmas morning spirit since our Christmas episode, at least. None of our guests have really talked about opening up a gift on Christmas morning. That was kind of nice to talk about. Yeah, I
2: love, like, the scene, the gold foil. Like, you know immediately, basically, that it's a Zelda game.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you think they wrapped it in gold wrapping paper, like... I, I
2: was a little disappointed that his family wrapped it uh, as as a as an easily identifiable GameCube case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there
1: was that time though, which I forget now, is like there was like a bit of fear where you think, oh no, is it a is it Zelda or is it a DVD copy of insert <laughs> insert movie that I don't want here? You know, like <laughs> hey, that was a risk back in the day. Yep. Yep. And Mike, this week we did a really interesting Zelda poll uh, following our 3D Zelda episode. We wanted to do a quick poll to see what fans thought about 3D Zelda games and which ones were their favorite. So we put them head-to-head based on release date, starting with Ocarina of Time versus Majora's Mask. Uh, Ocarina of Time won by uh, 73% versus 27%. Next up, we had Ocarina of Time versus The Wind Waker. Wind Waker, an upset, beat Ocarina of Time forty-five 55% to 45%. Ooh, yeah, I was surprised by that one. Scandalous. I was happy. Very scandalous. I was happy, <laughs> but I was also surprised. Yeah, Next up, too. we had Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, which Wind Waker won 65% to 35%. Yep, it makes sense. My favorite day of the uh, poll was when Wind Waker <laughs> went head-to-head <laughs> against Skyward Sword, where Wind Waker won 98% to 2%. One voter on the Skyward Sword side. No contest. Not at all. Last, we had Wind Waker versus Breath of the Wild, which was very close uh, Breath of the Wild won by with fifty six percent versus Wind Waker's forty four percent.
2: You know what? That feels right, Neil. That feels right. I, I, I feel I feel like we got validated with that.
1: I think so too. Those results I was very happy with those results and Breath of the specifically Wild Specifically the ninety percent oh, win loved it. I kn- <laughs> see, I knew that there's no skyward sword fans out there. I knew it. And now, now we know. <laughs> and the listeners out there, if you don't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram. We are at the GameCube Pod. We love to do polls like this from time to time. We did the Mario uh the Mario three D poll a few months ago. We did the Zelda one. I'm sure we'll come up with more in the future. We usually do like one off polls, but sometimes we like to do week long polls as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah ton of fun yes it was (laughs) so mike uh this was episode 42 part one obviously there's going to be part two tomorrow we're also going to be covering the wind waker why don't you let the fans know what they can expect on episode 42 part two
2: Well, on episode 42 part two we're going to be talking about wind waker again and uh we will be bringing on some more guests as well and just yeah, get an even deeper dive into Wind Waker. So if you uh, if you feel like you haven't had enough information crammed down your throat about this game,
1: well, <laughs> listen to our episode tomorrow. A deep dive into Wind Waker. I like what you did there with the pun and the water. <laughs> Ah, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait to hear our own voices once again. Now, we obviously like to end every episode with recommending the game and our you know closing thoughts on the game and where we see... And Victor's voice at the end, uh, trailing off. Victor's voice at the end, of course, talking about 555 games you've never heard of. I like to think most people have heard our ending credits, although they've probably cut off the podcast at that point. Uh, so today, Mike, we're going to end it off a little bit differently. I think we have a sponsor for this episode. Yeah, we have a sponsor. Thank you so much. Well,
2: I'm not going to name them. Mm. I'll let the ad speak for itself. Oh, okay. Let's okay. hear it. Oh! Tired of not being able to find screaming fruit? Or items that are almost useless on your quest? I know we are. Swim through monster-infested waters and visit Beetle's Shop Ship today. Many of Beetle's items are the last of their kind, so hurry before another reincarnation of Link scoops them up. Inconveniently located in random areas of the Great Sea. Beatles, shop ship. We deal in pretty much anything and everything.